Happy Thanksgiving Eve, comic book fans. I am Anchor Pete, and I am ready to dish out our Thanksgiving feast tonight. We got a lot of helpings for you tonight. We got three shows to talk about. We got uh, Young Justice. We have Hawkeye. And then we also have Masters of the Universe Revelation. There we go. So I'm with my good friend and co-host, Brian. Brian, what are you bringing to the feast tonight? Um, I don't know. (laughs) Information? (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you know what? I am bringing something to the feast tonight. I'm bringing entertainment. Because Ah. I'm going to make us do a little skit. Are you ready for this? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so you're going to be Brian from 2003, and you just saw the movie Daredevil. Oh, boy. (laughs) You're you're coming out of the theater. Trust me on this. It'll be fun. You're coming out of the theater, and here comes Pete from right now, 39-year-old Pete, and I'm going to talk to you, okay? I'm going to say, Brian, what did you think about Daredevil? Starring Ben Affleck. (laughs) (laughs) Bullseye. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Um, um, I, I was, I was not a fan. (laughs) You were not a fan. Well, don't worry. This is the only movie with Ben Affleck as Daredevil, but he will play Batman in the future. Oh God. (laughs) Yes. But he's not going to be Batman right away. First of all, we have to have a guy named Christian Bale playing. He was in this movie, American Psycho. Which I might have seen at the time. Yes. When did that come out? That was... And you know that that guy, Heath Ledger, that was in A Knight's Tale? You know what? I was one of the... um, uh, uh, When they announced Heath Ledger, I actually like... You know what? I think he actually might do a good job. Um, Yes. Most people were like really down on that because of movies like... A Knight's Tale and uh, Ten Things I Hate About You and, uh, yes. and all that. But, um, yeah. God, I sound like such a brag there. Sorry. Brian, you're supposed to be Brian from 2003. Oh, shit. Sorry. You're supposed to be 22 years old. I forgot. Yes, I, I okay, okay. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> so, but you know how, how Kevin Smith was in this Daredevil movie? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he's he's kind of into comics. We saw him do this little skit where he's talking about, you know, making a Superman movie. Well, you know what's going to be weird? He's actually going to make a Masters of the Universe TV show. What? Yes, yes. They're going to have a Masters of the Universe TV show on Netflix, which is going to be this gigantic streaming channel. What's streaming? <laughs> it, it's pretty much going to dominate everything that you and I talk about, like, every time we talk to each other. <laughs> okay. Yes. But, you know, Kevin Smith, he doesn't just make that Masters of the Universe show. He also was in the uh, third movie of the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Third movie? Third <laughs> trilogy? <laughs> Dude, you're nailing it, man. The acting chops are really bringing it. I got, I, got one, I got one last part. You ready? You know how Ben Affleck in the movie, he's got Foggy Nelson, right? That's his friend? Yeah. That's John Favreau, right? That guy from Swingers? Yes. Well, you know, the weird thing about him, right, is that he goes on and he makes an Iron Man movie, of all movies. That B-level hero? Yes, that B-level hero. And Who plays Iron Man a... in the future? Yeah, yeah, well, it's Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that kind of tracks. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, they it's such a success. 
they make 25 other movies after that. <laughs> in, the same, in the same universe, one of those movies is Guardians of the Galaxy, and it is a tremendous hit. I don't even know what that is. Probably not a 2003, yeah. And uh, another movie is Eternals. I don't know what that is either. In 2003, you probably don't, yes. But uh, I don't know. I, something There was something about this today where I was like just thinking about how, uh, you know, we're back in the present now. Our skin is okay. ended. But I, I was thinking about how, you know, we're talking about this Kevin Smith run He-Man show, and we're talking about these Marvel shows. And I think that with like Hawkeye, what was so great about this first episode of Hawkeye was that it shows how far we've come. Like Avengers is in 2012, you know, and it's amazing how much has happened since then. And then, you know, Daredevil in 2003, it's like just the whole world was like a different place back then, you know? Yeah. I mean, thinking back to that movie and, and I do have to say that um, I eventually watched the director's cut of Daredevil yeah. and it, it does make it a, a bit more watchable. I mean, okay. the same goofy things are there, where they added some like more lawyer scenes, which I think really helped. Um, and I, I think I, I, it, it definitely was a, a better movie overall. But yeah, like yeah. going back to like Daredevil and Elektra, um, man, those are some not like the theatrical versions are not good movies. I mean, like you know, people say that Thor: The Dark World and uh, Incredible Hulk and Iron Man Two are the worst MC movies. No, those are the worst, like, Marvel movies, like, by far. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, you can't forget those Fantastic Four movies, like the second one, or... Uh, you know you what? Know. I didn't hate those. I, I didn't mind those. I, I, I think the only thing that really bugged me about Fantastic Four... Um, uh, maybe some of the acting was kind of bad. Uh, I didn't like that Galactus <laughs> was like a cloud. Um, that's, yes. that's that, that was my huge gripe with that. Other than that... I mean, like, um, Lawrence Fishburne was, was still reserved. That was awesome. That is pretty that was and, uh, great as, as uh, Human Torch. Yeah, right, right. And um, even the Silver Surfer, the body was played by, um, what's his face? From Doug Jones? Was Doug it? Jones. I love Doug Jones, wow. too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get but that makes sense. Yes. The body of Doug Jones and the voice of Lawrence Fishburne. That's quite a sandwich there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. Like, so much stuff has happened. It, this whole week has seemed kind of overwhelming with all this comic book content and, like, just watching stuff for this show tonight. Yeah. And so um, I thought that, because I think that for the most part, you know, there's tons and tons of outlets covering Hawkeye. I'm sure there's a bunch of people complaining about He-Man. I want to be the most faithful and keep Young Justice first because I feel like we've been fans since the very beginning, and I want to make sure we focus on that. So. Sure. Um, I was hoping that we could go over to episode seven, entitled The Lady or the Tigress. And so we learned who the traitor was, didn't we? Yes, finally. And, uh, you know, I really I really enjoyed that they they, uh, they they did like a scene change. So they had they had Onyx pull a sword on uh, Cassandra Savage and then they do a scene change, making you think that it was Onyx the whole time. But then they do the whole switcheroo and it was Cassandra the whole time. Yes. And so... Things are answered, and there was a big revelation. So, first off, spoilers for everything we're going to talk about tonight. Young Justice, uh, Hawkeye, and He-Man. 
the biggest revelation in the Young Justice episode was we found out how Batgirl became Oracle. Yes, uh, there was a nice flashback um, with the beginnings of, uh, well, because uh, the other Cassandra, well, we're not going to call Cassandra Kane because that character doesn't exist here, it seems. Um, the, the origins of, of her as a shadow and training under uh, Lady Shiva or her mom. Um, and, and, and a scene with, with the Joker as well, which yet we've only seen like once or twice in the show. Yeah. Voiced by Brent Spiner from Star Trek The Next Generation, too. What? Wow. I don't think, I mean, yeah, that does sound like him. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Hey, are you a fan of this version of the Joker? Um, I, I would put, there are uh, several other versions I would put ahead of this, I would say. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Say it one more time. There are se several other versions I would put ahead of this. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, especially like in the animated versions, right? Of course, there's the Mark Hamill version, which just blows everyone out of the water. Yeah. Um, the the Joker in Batman Under the Red Hood, I always thought that was an interesting take on the Joker. He was played much more like a wise guy, like a Goodfellas type Joker. Yeah. And I love that Batman Under the Red Hood Joker, too. Yeah, I haven't watched that in a while. Uh, who does the voice of Joker in that? It's, it's not someone like... That, whose name just like pops out right at you. I mean, you might want to look it up or whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. <laughs> but um, I, I I like Brent Spiner a lot. I think he's a great actor. But just like his delivery as the Joker and like what the Joker was actually saying, I, I just oh, thought it was like too easy. Who's that? Defender. John. Oh, Madden. okay, okay, perfect. All right. Well, see, that's a name you recognize, of course. Yeah, big fan of him. But um, you know, Cassandra. Or orphan goes to cut him or take him out and essentially she takes out uh batgirl and it was so cool because like batgirl has that one line where she says i wasn't trying to save joker i was trying to save you and it definitely seems like oracle is like a surrogate mother to orphan uh yeah i would say more like a big sister uh but but yes because she, she even alludes to that she says she's like a sister to me and I, I know how, how you know you feel about that when talking to Artemis. Um yeah. I agree. Yeah, it um I mean I thought it was just a really well done episode once again. It was cool that we actually cut back to Mars. Too. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, um uh yes, we, we got a shot of Mars and um uh McGann went like full Dark Phoenix <laughs> for a few minutes. Yeah. Um yeah. and we 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 noticed well the characters now know that uh, her brother was not uh, responsible for the, the kryptonite in that bomb. Um, but, I, I mean, I still think that because we haven't seen the uh, the Legion since then, I, I'm really, really banking on that the, the Legion whisked him away somewhere. Yeah. And he's not dead. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with you on that one. Do you think that uh, – because she – Obviously, everything's telepathic on Mars. Like, that's how they all communicate. Do you think that she knows that the Sod is the one that gave him the bomb at this point? Um, I think they would have mentioned that somewhere. Like, she would have said that to to, to John or, uh, or I mean, maybe not flat out said it to her brother. But she would have at least said something to John, I think. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think, too. I think they would have, like, revealed that. It's like, oh, we found this out. I think that, like, for the most part, that whole sequence was to kind of absolve her brother of the guilt of potentially like her thinking that he tried to kill her husband to be 
and uh, just kind of her saying goodbye to Mars in general. I think that was what that whole sequence was about. It wasn't necessarily like moving the plot forward and finding out about yeah. the who, who made the bomb, you know? Although, where did Superman go? <laughs> I mean, well, can he just fly from Mars to Earth? I mean, I guess, but I mean, like, like he he took the ship there on the way there, so I'm assuming that that is faster. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he could fly back home, but, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, wasn't it that they were supposed to set up a thing to have a, a boom tube be on Mars? or? Yeah, but, I mean, that, that got destroyed or disrupted. Uh, I, I mean, it's possible they could have rebuilt it, but, you know, then why aren't – I mean, I guess they, they had to get the ship back. Yeah. So they had to take a ride anyway. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the answer right there then. Yeah, and he's got to go home right. and change those diapers, right? Yes, yeah, right, right. Yeah, the, the emergency. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm just looking at my notes because I wanted. I took a lot of notes while watching it, and um, oh yes, there actually was this great moment that I really loved when you have that sequence where it's Artemis or Tigris, right? And then you have um, Onyx. What, what's Onyx's first name? Um, isn't it Onyx? Oh, her name's like Onyx Abrams or something. Oh, I don't remember again. (laughs) Whatever, whatever. we're just gonna call her Onyx. So her and Onyx and Cassandra Savage, right? And there's that that turn, the double cross, but then they're able to free uh, Orphan, right? And so there's gonna be a standoff, but then all of a sudden the other guys show up, Rictus and uh, the Black Spider Spider and Shade, Shade, right? And they're like, oh... The, the odds are bad because, you know, it's four, two, whatever. Four against two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then all of a sudden, Cheshire showed up, and that was like one of those, like, fist-pumping moments. Like, yeah. yeah. That was pretty great. I, mean, I was expecting that to happen, but yes, I, I actually forgot. I mean, we do see her at the, at the end of the last episode, and I, I think they allude that she was going, but I, mean, I forgot. Um, yeah. So it was a nice little surprise there. And uh, another little moment. This is like a deep callback to the, the first episode of Young Justice. And some of my wife and I quote all the time. Um, in the first episode of the first season, Robin says something about uh, why is everyone always overwhelmed? Why is anybody ever just whelmed? And yes. Tiger has a little line calling back to that in the, when they were hiding out in the cave. Stay whelmed. And I just yeah. got a real huge kick out of that. And it just shows that how how deep this the world building and connectivity of this show goes. They'll yes. go back to episode one from 12 years ago or whatever it is right right yeah the, the show it definitely is expecting guys like you and me to just get the references and just like you know have a little chuckle to ourselves you know yeah it it, it, it has devoted fans that's for sure and they they definitely work the mythology around like they showed it to where orphan got introduced and she's about to attack the joker and i believe that was the jason todd robin there right that was Diffusing the bombs. You know, um, they do mention Jason. They do mention Jason being dead. I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like Jason might have already been dead by then. Uh, oh, so that was Tim Drake. I, 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 I would think so, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, they, spoiler was one of the people that cut the bomb, right? Yes, yeah, spoiler was there. Yeah, so it's got to be Tim. It's got to be Tim Drake. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, they do reference that something happened to Jason, and so. You know, the Joker must have done something. That's kind of noble that 
Barbara would still go to save the Joker's life even after he had potentially killed Jason Todd. Yes. Um, yeah. All, all in the service of, of not, you know, not watching this young girl turn into a life of uh, being an assassin, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah no, that, that was a great, that was a really powerful moment for me. Like, like that got me, that really got me, honestly. Really well done, especially she's kind of like laying on her back and just kind of staring up. And it's like, you get that sense that like, she can't move, like she's cut. She yeah. can't do anything because of the damage that's been done to her. You know, it, it, you know, honestly, it's really cool. They chose to do that instead of doing like the whole killing joke reason for her being paralyzed agreed yeah i don't think that the killing joke thing could even work in this timeline uh honestly so uh it was a nice way of doing it and still keeping the same relevant characters and um uh, according to wikipedia that was tim drake so um okay but i i mean i don't know how you can actually prove that other than maybe the costume being the same so maybe like the haircut or something uh we well, got the hood on so Oh, okay. Yeah, hold on. Okay, okay. I don't remember. I had to watch so much shit today just so we could do this episode. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Same here. Um. So I'm just trying to think what else. There, there was this kind of funny part where um the Joker, he he's doing this whole monologue to uh, I, I guess uh, Vandal Savage, right? He has this video yeah. and he's like, you, "You chose Riddler over me, Riddler," and I, I like. I like when the other villains talk about each other like that. Yeah, well, the, the little bat rivalry uh, they have going on, the, the villain rivalry is, is pretty good there. So that was a nice little touch there. And um, I, I like that he sort of used a, a, a riddle pun at the end of his little speech, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and they even they referenced uh, Penguin and Two-Face, too, in that episode. They said they were in the middle of a turf war in the present. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so what I'm, I guess my last thing about Young Justice before we move on to the other stuff is – what was the purpose of them sending a mole in the first place? Was it that they wanted to? Uh, they they said they 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 wanted the league's intelligence, right? Like, what are they trying to get the League of Shadows? Um, I I kept thinking that they're trying to get Oracle mm -hmm. somehow, or they're trying to, to like. I kept thinking they were trying to get get to like that little drone thing or something. Um, but yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure they even know she's there. But, I mean, if you're thinking about intelligence and the Justice League and, and things like that, like, wouldn't you think of Oracle? You know, Of course. They're kind of a keeper of all those things. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Tigress has a lot has a lot of knowledge and, you know, uh, is is a very involved person in the, you know, on the team. They still call it the team. Um, but, uh yeah, it, it seems it doesn't seem like the end goal to me has to be Oracle. Yeah, I mean she runs a really tight ship. They have that cool tech where like their eyes light yeah, up. Yeah, they have like, sort of like yes or no answers. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's so good. It's so well done, and it's it's honestly it's kind of like an evolution of what you have in the comics. Some of the stuff they do on the show is like cooler than what they do in the comics. Yes, you know. Because one of the things that's cool about the show itself is that it sort of <coughs> leans heavy into like the espionage, spycraft, ninja stuff, and not so much the like uh, otherworldly, crazy, godlike stuff that they do in the comics a lot. Well, they do still have that, but it's a little less, it's a little more grounded, I'd say. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Because they absolutely they have new gods and dark side and all that kind of shit too. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's more grounded. 
So uh, I love that show. I could probably talk about it for another 10 minutes, but just in the interest of just knocking out everything. Are you ready to move on to Hawkeye? Do it. All right. Here's my segue for Hawkeye. I texted, uh, I didn't text, I sent a message on Twitter to Danny, and I was talking about how, you know, we're going to talk about Hawkeye. And Danny's like, oh, I don't know if I could watch, you know, a whole show about Hawkeye. Right? And, and, I believe Danny would say that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And, and so to me, it's funny because I, I think someone in one of the comments said, like, Hawkeye is the most boring Avenger in the MCU. And I kind of understand why people would have that thought in their head. Well, uh, it's yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, no, you, you finish first. Well, well, I would just say, though, that, like, it's because they don't know about the Hawkeye comic by Matt Fraction and David Aha. Yes. Right? Like that's that's the whole that's the game changer right there. They don't know about Kate Bishop and they don't know about that comic. And I yeah, think that yeah. once you know about that, then you're like, oh yes, give me this. Yeah, no, that that that's even that that's the turning point for me as well. I mean, you know, Hawkeye was just an archer, and you know, um, I mean, granted, I actually did used to think his costume was kind of cool I, I, when I was younger, but he was kind of like a, you know, uh, uh, not he wasn't a, a a very important character to me ever before. But yeah. that series changed that drastically, and he became mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And and Kate became even you know one of my like top characters in Marvel. Yes. So, um, and okay, yeah. and I told Danny to read Hawkeye before, like years and years ago. So <laughs> get on it, man. Yeah, it's it, it's funny because when you watch the first episode of Hawkeye, because they released two episodes so far on Disney Plus, um, and when you watch the first one it seems a lot more like the Kate Bishop Hawkeye series written by Kelly Thompson than the Matt Fraction Hawkeye series. I mean, it still draws a lot of parallels from that, that series. There's a lot of connectivity between them, but uh, yeah, the Kelly Thompson definitely focuses more on, on Kate and less on Clint, even though Clint's still there and around in some capacity. Do you think that they really capture the essence of Kate in the show so far? Yes, absolutely. I think um, I, I was actually um, I was very speculative about Haley Steinfeld at first. I know she's she's a great actress, but I wasn't one hundred percent sure that this, she was right for this. But she was right for this. I, I I don't I can't even think of anybody else who would have done better. Honestly. Yes. So so let's uh, let's let's pick up like let's let's go by the, like piece by piece because there's a whole bunch of things to talk about for this show. And I think that right away, just the intro itself is really, uh, I mean, I thought that was really well done. They show the attack on New York. You have the Chitari flying around. And um, the girl that played Kate Bishop, it, it's funny because it's like they're so good at de-aging. That looks like a de-aged Haley, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I know it's just another actress. But, like, she was in True Grit. You know, when she was that age, and, and that looks just like her in True Grit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. They did a great job casting that. So, speaking of casting, her mother's played by Vera Farmiga. Are you completely caught up with the um, the uh, Kate Bishop Hawkeye series and everything? Yeah, I, I read all of it, yes. So, is her mom, okay, spoilers, guys. Uh, is her mom Madame Mask? No. Um um her mom is God, is her mom like a vampire or something holy shit there, there's some uh, weird shit no, in the uh, madam mask is is whitney frost 
So okay. it's not Madame Mess, but maybe they're combining those two things here. Although uh, I'm uh, I'm very curious here because there there are definitely some changes to uh, her backstory here with the, in, in regards to her parents. Yes, um, but I, I did really like the change that uh, that that she was in New York during the the battle uh, in 2012, and that she saw Hawkeye save her. It was even that that same scene where. You know, you see him jump off and shoot the arrow, and it was really cool. And right, um, and it, it inspired her. And I really, really like that change. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it seems like her dad passed, but in the comics, both both of her parents are, are villains, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so. and at least one of them works directly with Madame Mask. Yeah. I just uh, kind of feel. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I just kind of feel like. He, he cast Vera Farmiga. It's almost like she has to be Madame Mask. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, especially with the haircut too. Um, yeah, it, I, I'm I'm kind of agreeing there that I think that's where it's got to lead because they have to have they, they can't have Kate Bishop without Madame Mask, and um, I, I don't think they should introduce the Frosts yet without knowing what's going to happen with mutants. You know. Uh -huh. Holy shit, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, Whitney Frost is related to Emma Frost, yes. Oh shit. Okay, yes. okay. All right, uh, all right. He's not a okay. man, uh, or anything yeah. like that, but uh yes. Yes. Oh wow, okay, you blew my mind, man. Okay, so that that makes me double down on Vera Farmiga being her then. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. So um besides that, have you watched Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Uh, I, I watched most of Breaking Bad. I, I got to up, up to about season five or so, but I've not watched any of Better Call Saul. Okay. So um, one of the characters in Better Call Saul, uh, his name's Lalo uh, Salamanca, and he's related to that family. And uh, he's this excellent, excellent villain. He plays um, – shit, I got to – I got to see – I know what his real name is in the comics, but he plays uh, Jack D – Dusk – Dusk – Jack Duquesne. Yeah, dude. Duquesne? Duquesne, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Jack Duquesne. Here, here's some more spoilers, guys. Sorry, but he's he's swordsman from the comics. Yes. So like you know it, that I felt like that was like a little much where she comes into like her mom's apartment and she's like, "Where are all these swords coming from?" And then he like walks in like, "Okay." Yeah. Um. I, and I wouldn't have picked up on it until they said uh, they mentioned the Duquesne name later because that's what really triggered my memory on on the character, but. I'm I'm real I'm very curious on how they're going to tie that in because in the comic books, um, Swordsman was the one that trained and almost raised the orphan Clint Barton. Right. Um, and in this in this I mean he looks like he could be the same age as as Jeremy Renner. So, um, you know I, I don't see that that being the case in the MCU here. So I'm I'm, I'm curious with what they're going to do with him, but they're already playing him up as uh, as as having you know having a a little bit of a something to hide oh yeah oh yeah especially in that second episode yes but but i mean maybe maybe that's just all a misdirect for for madame Asta. um what's her mom's name i forgot her mom's name the mom's name is is it eleanor or no no i worked on eleanor uh let's just call it let's just call it vera formiga <laughs> yeah that's easy that's easy yeah I, I think that we probably will see 
swordsmen in this series. I don't know. You, you might be right. It might be a misdirect. Yeah, there's no way that they're not gonna. They're gonna. They're not gonna just have him be there that much and then not do that. It's got to come up. Um, right. But it just. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sold on on villain versus something else uh, yet. Okay. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That'd be interesting if he was. Yeah. Something else. I, I like that actually. I mean, the, um, other thing, the other thing to think about here too is that. Um, you know, let's say let's say the mom is is Madame Mask. So you have Madame Mask, you have Swordsman, you have um, a villainous Echo, and uh, you you have the tracksuit mafia. You have Clown, um, who who is in the episode but not uh, in a noticeable way, really. And um, I had something else too. There was another villain. Um, uh, like, hey, where what, was Clown? The um, I saw his name in the credits. Uh, the, okay. the, the Kaz, and it's like Kaz, Kazumi, Kazumiski, Kazumiski, or something like that. But that's him. So it, I, I believe it's the guy that when they're chasing after Kate, he pulls his mask off a little bit. I believe that's him. So he, yes. I think he's like the head tracksuit mafia henchman in this. Uh, okay, you know, okay. Zacco. I know exactly you're talking about because you're right. He, he does stand out in the first episode with them. And then in the second episode, he's kind of sitting by himself at a table. And he's yes. got a coat on. Right. Yes. Okay. So that, that's him. Okay. Okay. So, wow. So you got a lot of villains in this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, who is who is the main villain in this? I mean, obviously, it's not the Traction Mafia. Uh, and, and we do know that, um, you know, Echo does eventually become a hero. I mean, I'm assuming she will follow that path because she has a, a solo series coming as well. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, Echo originally was a Daredevil villain. Um, and that that quickly transitioned to, to being a hero, and is now the Phoenix Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the Jason Aaron Avengers. I just read that recently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, and I'm kind of wondering, uh, I'm kind of wondering if 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 the overarching villain here might actually be a Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin. Oh man. That'd be so friggin' juicy. And I'm basing I, that I, almost completely on uh, a tweet from um, Vincent D'Onofrio saying uh, he, he retweeted like, like a, a Marvel, uh, like a Disney Plus tweet saying, oh, I, I love all these Mar- Marvel shows or something like that. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're in this. You're going to be in this. Oh, man. That would be like something else if like the MCU just kind of cherry picks what they like from the shows and the other movies. You know, if they if they take him from the Marvel, the Netflix shows, because I feel like with the Netflix shows, they're maybe going to say that like they don't count. They're probably going to say that the Inhumans doesn't count. They they already yeah. say that Agents of Shield doesn't count, right? Yeah, no, they they already struck the the the, the Netflix shows from the record, so they, they they're not parts of the MCU. Um, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. So like if they ever like say like, oh, this is the multiverse stuff. They might show like a quick glimpse and they might show like the Netflix multiverse characters or the characters in the Netflix shows, but that'll be it. And then they might like still have, uh, what's her face? Christine, her name's Christine Ritter. Who's Jessica Jones? Kristen Ritter. Ritter. They might have her and like Luke Cage, like actually be in it. They'll totally have a different Iron Fist. And then they'll definitely have that Vincent D'Onofrio kingpin because he's so good in it. 
Yeah, that, that I mean, that's one of the that was one of the best things about those shows was his portrayal of Kingpin. So yes, and Charlie Cox too is Daredevil's. Really oh my great. god, yeah, and I mean, we are we already know all the rumors about Charlie Cox and Spider Man, and uh, and, and the rumors of a, a, another uh, a Disney Plus Daredevil show, which I'm oh, assuming okay. the only reason they haven't announced is because they they don't want to spoil his appearance in Spider Man. Yeah. So. Um, man, not to get too sidetracked with Spider-Man, but like, there's there's so much riding on this movie. Like, in terms of my own theories and 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 hope and all this, you know, and right, right. imagine they don't deliver on any of these things that everyone is so convinced are happening. You know, it's yeah, but like that's the way that all this works, right? Is that we all get so worked up and we all like think of all these theories. Like, how many times have people said Mephisto is going to be in like everything? Right. You know what though, like, yes, absolutely. Mephisto was the most uh, over theorized thing, you know, in in 2020. But is that really a huge loss to not have Mephisto manifested in these shows? But but f- thinking about like the continuation of Charlie Cox's Daredevil, the the the, the reemergence of Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Spider Man, and, and a Spider Verse kind of setting. If those things don't happen, that it'll be such a more massive letdown than not being Mephisto, you know? Very good point. Very good point. I agree. Very well said. Yeah, yeah. If they're not in that movie, yeah, there's going to be some pretty harsh tweets out there. Or or either that or or Macho Man coming back from the grave to, you know. Yes, the lizard. <laughs> hey, man. That would get me at least two trips to the theater for that. <laughs> so um, we, we talked about like the villains and, and who might be the main villain. But Marvel in general, it seems like there's a very set pattern where it's like you have kind of like the, the ground level villain that seems like the main threat that the hero engages. And then there's like the secondary villain who's like the true evil, the, the one that you're not suspecting. And it's like, it's like in Loki, how you had the um, TV... A, right? They were the real villains, right? And then, like, um, you know, and, and obviously Black Widow, you have, like, Taskmaster seems like this main bad guy, but it's just a secondary bad guy. Um, do you think that in this, it might just be that, like, Madam Mask is the main bad guy? And because um, there's there's definitely something going on with, like, her and the, the family, the Duquesne family. Yes, because that guy that got killed um the uncle yeah yeah you know what I, i'm gonna i'm gonna just go out and let him flat out say that that her mom killed that 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 armand guy yeah and with a sword trying to potentially frame jack and then they're they're leading us to believe that it's jack okay i i think you're right and i gotta give you credit man because i was not thinking anything like that today at all i was totally just thinking he's swordsman he's a villain and it's just so obvious and and you're elevating the show more than what I was thinking it was going to be, and, and it's it's funny because like the show I, I always talk about the behind the scenes of the shows right and um, for this show the guy that is the showrunner his name is um, Jonathan Igla and he's worked on Mad Men and he's worked on Masters of Sex and another show called Pitch another show called Shut Eye so he's kind of worked on I think kind of more like dramas and like sort of premium tv cable kind of stuff uh and then the director who's directed a lot of episodes his name is reese thomas 
and he's directed a bunch of things for SNL. And um, I think it's kind of funny because when you watch the show, it already kind of reminds me of SNL. I watch SNL a lot, right? And it looks a lot like their digital skits that they do. And I know that the uh, Rockefeller yeah. Christmas tree, like the Rockefeller Center, is going to be a, a set piece for the show, too. Yeah, and they've already talked about it, too. So, um, yeah, yeah, that that's probably some foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what I, the whole reason I was saying all this stuff, just dumping this information, is just because I always try to think of, like, like the vision and what they're going for. And to me, the show was seeming kind of hokey, especially when you went into the second episode and there was that whole cause, not the cosplay, the LARPing stuff. I was like, oh, this is a little cheesy. And then the stuff with Swordsman was a little cheesy too. But now after what you're saying, I think you're making it better than what I was expecting. You know? I I hope so. I, and I hope I'm not, again, over-theorizing to a point where this would be amazing and then we're all let down when it doesn't happen like that. Um, I, you know what? I, I didn't think the, the scenes with, uh, the, the fencing scenes with, with Jack were, were too over the top. I thought that was pretty good actually. Um, and I can maybe see what you're saying with the LARPing, but I did think it was funny when, when the slow-mo and he's fighting all these guys kind of like, almost like the matrix. And you know, he's just like, but he's actually really bored and just, you know, doing all right. that. Uh, right. I, I did get a laugh out of that, but maybe it was a little excessive, but, um, I really, I really like how this show, you know, one of the first things we said here is that how nobody is interested in, in Hawkeye and how we can totally see that as, as a character. Because basically what they've seen of him is, is you know, Jeremy Renner in the MCU and that's it. He has not really had that much of a role. Um, and I, I think the show does a really good job of setting up uh, that whole thing in the actual world, in, in the MCU world, where, you know, people are kind of overlooking Hawkeye and, you know, thinking he's kind of lame and all that. Um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, once or twice a, uh, somebody says, oh, you were my favorite Avenger. And he kind of like rolls his eyes because he knows they're only saying that because he's standing in front of them. Um, and I loved, I loved that, um, first of all, the, the, the Rogers musical. Uh, yes. When I, I laughed, I was laughing my ass off when he did, um, when they did the really high note, I could do this all day. Right, 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 right. Um, and, but my, my, one of my favorite things in, the, in that whole little sequence there was uh, he turns his hearing aid off when they get to the point where they're first talking about Nat, who he just lost, and then right. B, either mentioning or not mentioning him. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, good point. That, that musical in itself needs to be mentioned, and that was excellent that he, like, turned off – Kind of had this sort of like saving private Ryan kind of effect where it's like you're seeing stuff, but it's just the ringing or that sound. And I, I that was very well done when they showed Black Widow and dancing around on the stage. It also kind of doubled as like a PTSD thing too because he lived through that. You know, it's like right. almost he's in New York right. near where it happened and he's watching a musical of what happened. Right. Very well put. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I liked because I, I especially like that part with Black Widow dancing, but then besides that, they see the thing about the Hulk where they're like, the Hulk is gonna smash, right? And and when they go to do that part, that's when he starts to kind of look uncomfortable. And it's because he's worked with the Hulk. He knows how dangerous and scary the Hulk is. Yeah. And it's just this guy with makeup on and like a hoodie on the stage. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I love that the, the lyrics were so clever and funny too. And one of my favorite parts was he was like, 
Well, I mean, I was there. I know what was going on. And, and that guy wasn't there. That's Ant-Man. You know, I, I just love that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that was a good line, too. Um, but it, yeah, yeah. They, they do a really good job of showing um, how how the world perceives him and how he's kind of an underrated hero, in a sense. Yes. Yeah, I think that's going to be part of his arc. His arc seems to be like dealing with Black Widow's death, which, of course, when her sister comes in or like her fake sister comes in, oh, that's going to be right. That's what I was going to say before. When I was naming all the villains, I wanted to mention um, Yelena because she's going to appear in the show at some point, too. Which meaning yeah. the show is just overstuffed with potential conflict. Yeah. And there's only six episodes, right? We've seen two of them already. I know, I know. There's only four. What the hell? That's like a movie. It's just like a movie yeah. work. Left, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she'll show up. She'll probably just, like, kind of become an ally. Echo will become an ally. And then it's like, who are they going to fight against? And um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But um, I was going to say, though, for his arc, it's like getting over the trauma of losing Black Widow and I think that they're showing that kind of with him taking care of Kate Bishop. It's like he's kind of like that's his his new other human that he's taking care of versus yeah. the rest of the Avengers who are all super powered. And then um, his other part of his arc is just sort of like accepting being a hero, kind of like what you said, you know. And um, if that's what they're going for, that they're setting it up really well so far. I agree, and uh, I like that that all the things he's uh, he's basically doing are very basic common things too it's like you know kate's saying like oh, oh we, we're gonna go to your secret base or lair and he's like no we're gonna go to the pharmacy and get some some first aid supplies from from cvs you know yeah. um i i just like that he's he's just like a regular person is you know trying to go about a, almost a regular life because he's basically retired in a sense you know yeah and, and yeah. also i really like that his overall goal here was just the guilt he feels about wearing the Ronin costume and and you know making so many enemies during the um, the uh, the after the blip, yeah the the blip years. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine that he probably did a decent number on the uh, on the you know the, the criminal underworld, but I imagine some of those people weren't there at the time and came back and maybe they would somehow know about that and want to take revenge. So I, I really like that. That's that's his motivation here is to protect other people from getting hurt from his actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, it, 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 one question I have about, about the Ronin in the costume is, is that in that auction house, um, and, and Kristen brought this to my attention, they said, oh, this is Ronin's sword and Ronin's costume. I don't, did they ever say Ronin in any of the movies? I no. mean, it was only in Endgame, so I mean, right. they never mentioned it. Yeah, no, no, no. They obviously like really kind of blow it up in this and make it into a big thing. And everyone talks about him like the Ronin, you know, he's like a yeah. big deal. Um, but that's fine, you know, because Ronin was actually this kind of cool character when Bendis took over and made new Avengers. Yeah, you know, I, I and, and and you know, here's yet another spoiler, but like Echo was Ronin at some point too. And they might do something like that where she puts on that costume at one point too. We'll yeah, I say. imagine that's that's what, what her show will be. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the interest of time, so do you have anything else to say about Hawkeye? Um, just uh, I absolutely love it. Um, seeing seeing uh, Lucky the Pizza Dog absolutely warmed my heart. And I, I got I got to see two of my favorite fictional dogs in uh, in, in a week's time with uh, along with Ayn and Cowboy Bebop. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just 
riding a dog high right now. Yes. Oh, I, I've not watched that Cowboy Bebop live action show yet. Um, I've I've finished it. Uh, oh, I, shit. I, I blasted through it. It is a flawed show. I do like it, but it is a flawed show. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, there's been a lot of talk about it on Twitter and stuff. And, uh, I mean, it, it looks cool. kind of reminds me of, like, Sin City or something, the way the shots are. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the anime. Yeah, so. I think uh, – I mean, I don't want to get too off the rails here to talk about this, but I would love to talk about it at some point if you ever decide to watch it. Um, it I, I don't think I could recommend it to someone who's never seen the original show. But at sure. the same time, I don't think that everyone who loved the original show would like this. Okay. Okay. Well, then, yeah. I, I got to check it out. But th- there's so much shit to talk about. There's these three shows. Then there's friggin' Super Crooks. That's a, another Mark Miller. Oh, yeah. Right? Right? That's on Netflix. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just came out today, too. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. I'm, I'm actually looking to watch uh, that, that show Arcane. Uh, which is a, a League of Legends show, which I know nothing about, but I've heard right. nothing but rave reviews about it. So right. I'm very curious to check that out. Yeah, yeah, it looks cool and right, and everyone keeps saying it's great too. There's, there's so much freaking content right now. It's like I can barely watch enough just to talk about on our shows, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah. But um, speaking of Netflix, though, we got our last thing for tonight. We got Masters of the Universe Revelation and. I thought it was all just one season and there was a break, but they are referring to this as season two. Oh, they, they call it part two, which is um, – I feel like they've done this with Castlevania, which is the same animation studio they had um, – or even Voltron as well. Is that the same – is it old Powerhouse? Madhouse, whatever it is? No, it's Power, power – whatever it is. Um, they, they release half of it because it takes so long to make these things. Uh, yeah. So they give you little small chunks to kind of keep it relevant. So you don't totally forget about it when it's gone for a year and a half. And you don't have a Young Justice situation where you don't remember a goddamn thing that happened. Um, right, right. Because it was on two years or five years ago, depending on what season you're watching. Yeah. So, I mean, it's um, like I feel like they like split the Masters of the Universe in the right spot. Like that is a good like kind of stopping point and pickup point for the new one. But I, I didn't realize that it's because of, like, the animation and stuff. But it is, like, a really freaking beautiful-looking show. And- yeah, th- this is um, – this this animation studio in particular is is very uh, highly regarded. And um, th- they do take a, a very, very long time to animate because, of, because there's so much detail in it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of that, like – stock CGI image stuff that they reuse over and over again. And they do have kind of for the vehicles, but so much of it looks like just like anime kind of awesome artwork. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so you have only just seen the first episode of this new season? I think I might have started like the first five minutes of the second episode, but I, I didn't get far into it. So, yes, I know exactly. I, I, watched, I watched the second episode, too, uh, and I actually really like that episode, too. But for the first one, it's called Cleaved in Twain. That's the title of the episode and um it's basically like the fallout of skeletor coming back and he's like skele god uh mark hamill just fucking steals the show in this episode right yep like it starts out and it's like i think he's like almost saying like a poem but he's like just talking about everything that's happened and he does this fucking beautiful thing where he goes like 
he goes from the Frank Langella type Skeletor of the movie with Dolph Lundgren to the goofy kind of cartoon Skeletor. He just like goes back and forth between them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, doing a fantastic job. Um, a lot of exposition from him in this episode, and I really like the um, the kind of position he put Evil in. in. Yeah, uh, yeah. He basically said that he was he was dead, and you know his soul was in that little scepter, and that he was basically like sucking the life out of her to stay alive to get to get himself stronger so he can come back. Um, it was like a, a like a horrible, horrible like revelation. No revelation, like the title. Um, uh, and I, I really liked that, that them kind of elevating him to less of a kind of a comical villain like he was in the original cartoon. Because I mean, it is a lot more campy the original cartoon. So um, yeah. we're definitely making it a lot more serious this time around, especially with all the character deaths and and you know. Uh, the, the, all the, the the harm that the are the, the heroes have endured uh so yeah. far yeah this one starts out prince adam is stabbed and uh oh yeah this this episode the first one shows the sorceress right and and she's tila's mom right yeah, which i believe is something new for this show I, I don't recall that ever being the thing but uh i like it i like the connectivity there uh it makes sense yeah uh, i assume they're setting up tila to be the new sorceress down the line right uh, which is interesting because they have her. They, they seem to have changed her to be much more of a a, a physical person or a character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I almost would have more so bought the the Tila in the original cartoon becoming a sorceress rather than this version. Oh, um, okay. Like super ripped and like angry and all this shit. Um, <laughs> So yeah, but I mean yeah, I'm 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 down. I, I I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you kind of brought that up and and the change right there because there's one point I wanted to make tonight. If, if someone has listened through this whole thing, is that you know I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife and I I didn't really like it and I'm not gonna spoil it for you because I know you haven't seen it, but I know that like some of our friends like it and I think that. The difference with this Masters of the Universe revelation and that Ghostbusters and Star Wars The Force Awakens and like other things I can't think of off the top of my head is that this feels like a natural continuation of the story. And because it's animation, you can use the same characters and they're, you know, maybe a couple of years have passed, but they're not like greatly aged. And so it's a continuation of that story with the same characters. And it feels natural. Whereas with these other movies, it's just like you're clearly going back because you want to like reboot this franchise, put new people in there. There is a new character. There's her friend, uh, Tila's friend, but that's pretty much it. And I think that like this kind of stuff shouldn't be done that often, but I think it works in this show. You know? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. They 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 took something. They they took the, the the bones of the old continuity. Maybe merged a few things from the comics with the the cartoon, and they they just coalesced them together into a more coherent and more um, dramatic story. And I, I think it's 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 really paying off to, to me. Um, like you mentioned, I haven't seen Ghostbusters, but I imagine you're referring to older characters just appearing out of. You know, just just to make it a, a cameo, just to say, hey, hey, look, remember this? Yeah, yes. this, those guys, they're here. 
right, right. You can kind of move on with, with things. And I get that. Um, I mean, I, I think I think we all would have been really curious if, if something like Ghostbusters would have been made maybe uh, in, in the late 90s rather than right. 2021. Or twelve, right, right, right. Uh, sitting in, on the silence for a while, so like, you know, it, it's it's too long. It's too long, yeah. and um, I, I I appreciate that the, they're continuing something from my childhood. But you're right; it's a lot easier to do with animation than it is to do with um, uh, with live action. And it really, really, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. After reading a, a, an article from a voice actor um, about how this will work with X Men. Because uh, we know that X Men '97 is coming back, and I'm super fucking pumped about it. Oh, but yes. you know, and I've heard, I've heard that they they will have some returning cast members, and uh, of those, I, I really hope Catholic J Dodd is back as Wolverine, because that's that's still what I hear. That's still the yep. voice I hear. And I yep. no disrespect to Steve Bloom, who's voiced Wolverine for like a good 20 years now, but that's that's the voice I hear. But um, yeah. you know, the the person who played Cyclops is dead. Um, and the article I was mentioning was was the actress who played Jubilee, who is a uh, is a white female, and she made a, a reference to saying like, "Look, I love the show, I'd love to be a part of it, but if if you, you bring this back, like, I don't want to, uh, I I shouldn't be voicing Jubilee at this point." And I'm like, oh, "Yeah, like that that's that's great." And I think she I think she is going to be somebody else in the show, which is which is really cool. But um, it, I'm, I'm curious how how, how that's going to go and how that will hold up. To something like this because this is actually like a high bar for me right now in terms of yeah things. yeah dude i totally forgot about this x-men thing just because there's been so much stuff to watch right now yep and that is really interesting that they'll have some of the same people and then i mean that animation style is so distinct for that x-men cartoon like clearly with this he-man cartoon this is an advancement from what they had oh, yeah. in the 80s but that x-men cartoon was very advanced to begin with you know so it's like what are they going to do from that and i just i just wonder the guy who played magneto he also died too so oh can't use yeah him. i i think there's more than that too probably oh I, yeah i want to say the guy who played professor x might have might have but i'm not 100 sure i know yeah. for 100 percent fact that cyclops is dead i mean yeah, voice actor cyclops. yeah yeah well i mean it'd be kind of cool if with that x-men cartoon maybe they have some of the alums some of the people that were in it but then for the gaps they fill them in with like established actors that we're going to recognize their voices, just Absolutely. like we do for this show. Just hearing fucking Lena Headey as Evil Lynn or uh, the guy that played uh, Sir Davos as Man at Arms. One of the things I kind of wanted to just talk about before we wrap this up was that beginning sequence where you see him and Sorceress and they have little baby Tila. And then pretty much right after that, Skeletor kills Sorceress. That actually got to me. Oh, yeah. And and with these nostalgia grabs, these kind of things, a lot of times it feels forced when they have these emotional beats. It just, it's like, oh, okay, what are you doing? But but I felt like that sequence in particular, especially his voice acting when she died, really powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he is absolutely great. Uh, Liam Cunning? Gallagher. <laughs> I, want, I want to say it's Liam Cunningham, and I, I should know this but by now. That sounds right, though. That, that sounds yeah. right. Uh, he is absolutely fantastic, and I also love that you know Man in Arms is such like a badass, and he's you know fighting off, he's fighting off Skelegod and Evil and Beastman all at once. I mean, he doesn't obviously su su succeed, but he yeah. holds his own for a few minutes, allowing everybody else to escape. 
So, yeah. um, you know, he's like, I just remember that that one episode where he just comes out of nowhere and then he just, just like defeats the entire ship of like Merman's guys by himself. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a great show. And I know that like other guys that are around our age have their complaints, but I think they're happy that Adam is back. And then at the very end of this episode, we see this sort of like roided out He-Man who's able to channel the power without the sword. And, um, I know that like in the original incarnation of He-Man, when they made the toys and they made the original, original comics that went with the toys, it was much more like Conan the Barbarian and not as like high fantasy as it is in the show. And so um, I feel like that's kind of a nod to that as well. Yeah, uh, I I thought it was a nice touch and it was a nice little reveal too, I thought. I mean, I think we saw it in the trailers and it was hinted at, but it was cool. It was like a little turn. It's like, oh, it was almost like a Rorschach, like, you're not in here with me. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not locked in with you. You're locked in here with me kind of thing. You yeah, know? yeah. He had a little like trick in his back pocket. And I, I really appreciated that um, that facet of the character. Yep. I actually had forgotten that from the trailers. And then so when he did that, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. And he's like, just, oh, man, I, I'm really excited to talk to you about episode two because I, I really liked the second episode of this as well. All right. I'm, I mean, uh, by by next week, I'll probably be able to watch the entire show. Right. Um, so uh, maybe we maybe we do the whole show. Who knows? I agree. Yeah. Maybe we should just kind of like knock out He Man and then just kind of focus on Young Justice once a week and Hawkeye once a week. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, we got some Thanksgiving stuff to get ready for, but I just want to say that I have always been thankful to have you as my friend, and so I just want to say Happy Thanksgiving to you. And I have been really thankful to be able to spend time with you pretty much once a week talking about comics. Uh, it, it's a great experience. So thank you. And uh, just to our, our people that have watched and the people that listen to us on the podcast, which keeps growing, um, I just want to say thank you for you guys for giving us your time too. And uh, let us know who you are because, you know, we're just grateful that you're there. Yes. Thank you. And thank you to you, to you as well. This is, uh, I look forward to this, this point of the week more than almost anything. So, um, uh, you know, th- this is a highlight of, of life right now for me. So. <laughs> All right, well, we finished on a nice corny note. Now we can. <laughs> but uh, you know what? We got a lot more shit to review. There's just so many freaking shows. And we will be back after Thanksgiving to give you our take. We'll see you guys. And, and, 